I've already had a ton of conversations with individuals. Um, there were some people, I don't know if they're in here, they might be in overflow. So if you're in overflow, I'm looking at you right now. But, but like the Clarks, I'm just going to kind of throw, I'm going to throw this story out. Um, I was talking to them this morning. They, they felt like, I don't know, it was like on a Thursday, they decided, hey, we think we want to sell our house. And by the next Thursday, they sold their house and bought a new house. Like, like God, just, God just provided. I, I know many of you um, were walking through some relationship challenges. May, maybe it was with a spouse or, or maybe it was with one of your kids or, or one of your siblings. And, and you actually started talking to people that you haven't talked to in, in some weeks or, or months or, or even years. And, and there's starting to be some sort of reconciliation. I know of others of you in the room who, who maybe you had that doctor's report and you really didn't want to get it back, but you knew it was coming in 21 days of prayer, so you decided to pray for it anyway. Hey, if I'm honest with you, um, I'm one of those people. If I, if I tell you the, the whole story, it would probably take me too long, but, but at the beginning of 21 days of prayer, I didn't, didn't tell many people this, but I had, I had a kidney doctor tell me, hey, your kidneys are functioning about 60%. Well, we, we need to do some tests. And so, man, I've been poked and prodded and gotten all kind of blood drawn. I carried around a jug for a day that was, like, embarrassing on its own. Like, y'all can imagine what I had to do with that jug. It was a kidney doctor. Some of you will get that joke later. But I had to carry that thing around, and, and it was like, okay, I, I mean, here we go. I got some blood work back. My, my white blood count was, was high. It was abnormal. And it was like, hey, you need to go in and see another nephrologist, which is a kidney doctor. So, so I went in and saw him. And, and long story short, I got a call. Babe, I think it was Wednesday. Um, I had a phone call. And uh, doctor kind of gets on the phone. We're FaceTiming or, you know, whatever it was, Zooming, whatever. Uh, we get on the call. By the way, did you know that you pay the same price on a Zoom call than when you go into the office? That doesn't seem right. I was on the phone for six minutes. Like, come on, y'all need to give me a six-minute discount, like, like something. But, but I, get on, I get on this call, and he says, uh, Mr. Witt, I'm like, well, here we go. I'm coming home. Like, he's like, don't take this the wrong way. Good Lord, man, you need some better bedside manner, like. Because don't don't take this the wrong way. Like I, I just don't think we need to see each other anymore. Y your lab work came back and and everything's clear. Your your lab work came back and your kidneys are functioning at hundred percent. And listen, I, I don't say that for 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 me, but I say that because it's just a, a story. And we preached on it a few weeks ago that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what the word of our testimony. And inside the four walls of a church, for some reason, we don't celebrate celebrate testimonies like we used to. For, for some reason, we don't hear the stories like we used to. So listen, if there's something going on in your life, if God's providing, if, if you started having those conversations or, or even that medical report, this is what we want you to do. We want you to email us. We want you to tell us what's going on. So you can email us at hello at multiply.church. We, we really want to hear those testimonies. So this is what we're doing today. Let's, let's rewind a little bit on freedom. We've been in this thing for about five weeks, so let's rewind, let's rewind the clock. What, what is freedom? What was going on? Maybe you're here for the first time. You haven't been here for the past five weeks, so, so let me kind of catch you up to where, where we are. Let, let me catch you up to where we are, and, and, and this is what I believe. True freedom is about getting back to the basics. True, true freedom is about getting back to what 
really matters. Church, the, the Bible doesn't have to be some obscure book that we don't understand. The, the Bible doesn't have to be some obscure text that, that we open up and we go, I'm frustrated now. I, I've had so many conversations with people that go something like this. Hey, hey Zach, I, I like coming to your church. Hey, Zach, I, I, like, I like the people. Hey, Zach, I, man, I, I, I even like getting involved in some of the groups. But, man, when I open up the Bible, huh, I, just don't, I just don't understand it. Like, like when I open up the Bible, I read about this thing in Leviticus, and I don't even know what Leviticus is, but there's a bunch of rules there. And I don't, like, do I have to follow all of those? And then, and then, God forbid, if somebody tries to start at the back. I know some of y'all are reading books, but y'all, for some reason, like, read the ending first. Like, if you get to the book of Revelation, and you start reading about, like, some horsemen and some swords, and one of them's, you're like, are we watching Lord of the Rings? Like, what's, like, what's going on? Like, like I, don't, I don't understand what, what the Bible is, is talking about. And even when we're talking about the book of Exodus, it's like, okay, so there were people in slavery, and, and there was this guy named Pharaoh who was in charge. And, okay, but then God did something like spoke through a burning book. Like, what? like what's going on? And we almost get scared of the text. We almost get scared of what's going on. I had a Lord of the Rings joke again, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide to refrain. from. I watched Lord of the Rings. I watched all three of them. Um, God bless my soul in the last like two weeks. So I'm like very Lord of the Rings in my, in my head right now. But back, I know, don't judge me. Um, I don't judge you out loud. <laughs> but but let's, let's get back to the basics. Back to the basics. I remember having shoulder surgery, tore my labrum, tore my rotator cuff, and uh and I remember going to rehab, and, and when I got to rehab, they would tell me to, to do the spider walks or the wall crawls. So I'd have to stand in front of this wall, and I'd, I'd put my fingers on, on the wall, and I had to walk with my fingers up the wall, and I'd get as far as I could, and, and it would start to hurt, so I'd come back down. Get myself, I was like sweating and everything. All right, walk back up. And, and for weeks, this is all I did. And then, and then eventually, I had a, a therapist that would kind of crank on my shoulder, try to, try to open it up. But I, I, had to learn how to, I had to learn how to type again. I had to learn how to drive my truck again. I had to learn how to throw a ball again. I had to learn how to throw a punch. There was a lot of things that I had to be able or learn to do, but I had to get back to the basics of just being able to move my shoulder. I see people in the room. It's like, yep, I've had shoulder issues. I've, 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 gone, through that, I've, I've gone through that rehab. But we have to get back to the basics. So let's do a, a rewind. We're in the book of Exodus. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, second book of the Bible, Genesis and then Exodus. So, so we're, in, we're in Exodus, and, and God's chosen people called the Israelites were in bondage or in slavery for 430 years. But, but they weren't always in slavery when they, when they made their way to Egypt. See, when they made their way to Egypt, there was about 70 individuals. It was Jacob and his 12 sons and, and their wives and, and their kids. But over the course of 430 years, those 70 individuals multiplied to over 1 million people. Exodus chapter 1 verse 12 says this, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. So, so what happened is these 70 people moved into Egypt, but over the course of time, these guys named Pharaoh said, man, we don't like the way that they're growing, so we're actually going to make them our slaves. And, and, and why, when we make them our slaves, we're just going to tell them they have to do everything that we say. But the more they were oppressed, the more they grew. The more they were oppressed, the more they expanded. They were under brutal slavery 
time and time and time again, generation after generation. But scripture said that God heard the cries of his people, preached on the the burning bush. This guy named Moses saw this bush that was burning, and, and even though it was engulfed in flames, the bush itself wasn't being consumed. The bush itself started talking. And what happened was God spoke to Moses and gave him a vision of a preferred future. He talked about this land of of milk and honey. Pastor, there you go. You're talking about some weird stuff again. But this land of, of milk and honey, what he actually did, he said, Moses, what if you dared to dream again? What if you dared to dream about your people being free? Because Moses was an Israelite. He gave him hope. But then after that hope, he ultimately gave them steps to freedom. We talked about this. Remember, each plague was not a failed attempt by God, but God undoing buckles to a straitjacket. Sure, God could have released the Israelites into the wilderness day one, but some scholars say that the plagues actually took about a year's worth of time. But why? Why? Maybe it was getting the attention of some people. Because what we learned is we all have areas in our lives where we need freedom from. And what we do, we say, hey, we go to the extreme. Well, pastor, I'm not an addict, so I don't, I don't need freedom. Yet there are some people that need freedom from addictions. But, but man, I'm, forgive the language, but it's like, I'm not addicted to heroin. So, man, I'm, I, don't really need, I don't really need freedom. Pastor, you're getting raw. Yeah, I'm going to get raw today. It's like, I don't, I don't need free. I don't, have, I don't have that addiction, so I don't need that freedom. But, but we all need freedom from something. We, we all need freedom from, maybe it's anger. We all need freedom. Maybe it's depression. We all need freedom. Maybe it's your past. We all need freedom. Maybe it's your insecurity. Maybe it's your worry. Maybe it's your fear. Maybe it's the opinions of others. We all need some sort of freedom. But, but then we learn that, that sometimes, and this is where like the rubber meets the road, and this is what we don't want to hear, but sometimes it'll get worse before it gets better. A- anybody recognize that in the 21 days of prayer? I did. Hey, God, I hope, I hope my kidneys are good. Day four, 60%. Cool. You're still up there? Like, like I, was getting, I was getting frustrated. Things got worse before they got better. And it wasn't just some of the Israelites who needed freedom. They all needed freedom. But this is what, this is what the story says. Book of Exodus. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Moses' first response was absolutely not. And he turned to his official and he said, hey, they're complaining too much. So we're actually going to make their work harder. See, see, what would happen was Uh, Pharaoh's officials would bring in straw to the Israelites and then the Israelites would make bricks and then they would begin to build whatever Pharaoh wanted built. And Pharaoh goes, hey, that's too easy. Now they have to go get their own straw. We need to make it harder for them because the harder it is, the less they can complain. Exodus chapter 5 verse 7 says this, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep 
working and pay no attention to lies. Similarly, when we begin to engage in the process of freedom, the enemy just tries to make our life harder. And that's what it seemed like even with the 10 plagues. But, but why the 10 plagues? Because each of the plagues, God was exposing and defeating a layer of Egyptian bondage. If you followed along through 21 days of freedom, freedom, we actually hit those 10 plagues. And, and I want to give us a quick rewind on what they were. The first one is the Nile. The Nile turned to blood, if you remember the story. And what did that remind us of? It reminded us of, of that our provision is not in our chains. See, what happened with the Nile River was the Nile River was viewed as some sort of life source. It was viewed as transportation. It's where the individuals got food from, where the Egyptians and the Israelites got food from. It's how they transported materials. But when it was full of blood, they recognized that their life had stopped. The life that they knew had stopped. Our provision is not in our change. Number two was frogs. Frogs. Yeah, God, God speaks through some weird stuff sometimes. But frogs reminds us that you choose the time of your freedom. This is what Exodus chapter 8 says. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh replied. See, the enemy wants us to focus on tomorrow. Hey, hey tomorrow, I'll pray a little more. T so tomorrow, I'll start reading my Bible. Tomorrow, I'll call my sibling that I haven't talked to in six months because we've been arguing. Tomorrow, I'll give that person at work forgiveness. Tomorrow, I'll be nice to my spouse. Tomorrow, I will. The problem is tomorrow never comes. We always look for tomorrow. Third plague, gnats. Often, it's the little things. Y'all ever been around some gnats? Like, one's just annoying. One gets in the kitchen, it's like, got it, right? Like, one's fine. But that's the way we approach life. It's just one click. It's just one gossip conversation. It's just one time that I, that I humiliated someone on social media. It's just one time that I yelled. It's just one time that I... The problem is that one turns into a multitude. One, one gnat is manageable. But a swarm of gnats consumes whatever it's around. And then we looked at flies. And flies reminds us that freedom requires physical distance. Israelites are crying out and they're saying, hey, Pharaoh, we want, we want to go worship God. Can, can we go worship God? And, and, and four or five plagues in, Pharaoh's like, listen, you're, you're getting annoying. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of you. you. You can go. Just don't go too far. Maybe you've started following Jesus in recent history. Hey, hey, you can follow Jesus, but don't go too far. The enemy says something like, hey, you can follow Jesus, just don't tell your coworker you're praying for them. You can, you can follow Jesus, but you don't really have to show up to church on Sunday. You can follow Jesus, but you don't need community. You can do it, you can do it on your own. You, you can follow Jesus, but do you really have to believe in the power of prayer? 
You can follow Jesus, but, but do you really need to give him access to your finances? Like you, you can follow Jesus, but do you really have to trust him with your future? Just don't go too far. And then we looked at livestock. We were reminded that there are great blessings that come with holiness. See, when we follow Jesus, we're not giving up things. We're not giving up what could be. We're gaining everything in this world by stepping into a relationship with Jesus. And then we talked about the plague of boils and and how God was exposing and defeating the sources of the counterfeit. Things in your life that give you a false sense of hope will be exposed. Maybe a social media. Post a picture. Oh, that, that picture only got 172 likes. My last one got 300. Like, why don't, why don't people like me now? Oh, I put this really good quote online, and, and, and I didn't get a lot of little red heart clicks. It was just, it was just a few. Maybe, maybe, I really, maybe I really aren't as good as I think I am. Maybe people really don't like me. Maybe, maybe they're just nice to me to my face. Then we looked at the hail. And we were reminded the difference between storms and battles. Y'all remember that one? I got my feelings a little bit on that one. <laughs> like at the end of the service, I'm like, need to change shirts. I was sweating so bad. But storms and battles. Storms, we seek refuge I reminded us that that refuge is not weakness. When we find shelter in the Lord, that doesn't mean we're weak. It just means that we're wise. And then we talked about battles. We're called not to just stand on the front line. I think the church has used that term too much. Hey, let's just stand on the front line. No, God ain't calling you to stand on the front line. The Israelites stood on the front line. You know what happened? David took some rocks and went and killed Goliath. He said, I'm not going to stand on the front line. I'm going to get in the battle. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to to fight battles and seek refuge in storms. Then we talked about locusts, that the freedom God is giving you will have a multiplied generational effect. Listen, when you're free from the things that are chaining you down, it doesn't just make an impact on your life, but your kids and your grandkids. And some of you are like, I ain't trying to think of kids right now. (laughs) I wasn't either. Now I got another one on the way. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? But me, me becoming free right now is going to impact Piper's life and that one's life. Again, two weeks in a row, almost said, we call her by her name in the house. Babe, I'm, in, I'm eventually going to say it. I'm sorry. Then the plague of darkness. Bam wants to go ahead and come back up. And darkness reminded us that, that freedom isn't freedom until it affects everything. Until it affects your family. Until it affects your finances. Until it affects your day in and your day out. That's true freedom. So all of that, all of those plagues, all of those plagues leads up to one. Leads up to to one moment. And it's the Passover. It's the death of the firstborn. God instructs every Israelite household to keep a perfect lamb. Corey, you remember the story? Keep a perfect lamb for 14 years days. Keep it in their house. It lived with them. It ate with them. It slept with them. It's like when you get a first, like a new puppy, it's like you want to do everything with the puppy. They were instructed to keep this lamb. But then on the 14th day, they sacrificed the lamb. 
They took the blood and put it on the doorpost. So, Pastor, there you go, getting weird again. Exodus chapter 12, let me read you the story. Verse 11. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal in a hurry for the Lord's Passover. On that night, God said, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. But let, let, me, let me connect some dots here. Because again, go back to the beginning. When we read the Bible, sometimes I have conversations and people are like, what in the world is going on? I went from Lord of the Rings, now I'm watching Harry Potter. And now there's this thing flying around trying to kill everybody. Like, what, what's, going, what's going on? God is actually going back to the beginning of his own story. God's going back to the basics. Why? Because Adam was the firstborn of all creation. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says this, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. I love this part. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But then scripture says that Adam and Eve sinned. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree and saw that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. So y'all want to stop at the part where Eve ate the fruit and blame it on the woman but our boy Adam was standing right beside her and didn't say a word. And, and with this sin, it brought death into the world. And when death was introduced into the world, there had to be some form of reconciliation. Because the moment that death entered the world, God's heart was broken. And all he's been trying to do ever since is reunite God and humanity together as it was in the garden of eden that that's the purpose of life to be reconciled back to god for humanity to recognize who god is so what what was god's plan he sent this guy named jesus and scripture tells us that jesus was the true firstborn of all creation so so do you see the connection God's been writing his story that humanity may be reconciled to himself. We see it in the book of Exodus. We see it all throughout the New Testament. The firstborn of all creation to die and to shed his blood that you and I might be forgiven that when death passes over us, it doesn't consume us, but that we could live eternity in heaven. Okay, pastor, but, but what about the book of Exodus? Firstborn, I, I get that, but, but why the lamb? Why, why the lamb? Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 is actually foreshadowing to Jesus to come. And Isaiah writes this. He says, he was led 
like a lamb to the slaughter. It's crucified on the cross. Even John the Baptist in John 1, 29 says this. When he sees Jesus walking towards him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. All God's doing is connecting dots. The text doesn't have to be obscure. The text doesn't have to be something that's hard to read. Okay, pastor, I get that. Reconciliation. The Lamb. Why death? Why death? Because someone had to pay the price. Why blood? The blood covenant. Scripture tells us that a blood covenant was a binding contract. A binding contract. But still, still, the voice of the enemy sounds something like this. Any screw tape letter fans in the house mentioned that a couple weeks ago? If, if the voice of the enemy was talking right now, maybe it would sound something like this. Our counterfeit has been uncovered. Our lies have been called out and defeated. We have been exposed for who we are. The humans have discovered our kryptonite. The one thing that we have zero power over, those who are under the blood. If someone is under the blood of Jesus, if their sin is under the blood of Jesus, we are truly defeated. The only thing that we can do at this point is to bring up lies and false accusations. To desperately try to remind them of their past sins and their past failures. But if they plead the blood, if they remind us that they are under the blood, then we have to turn and run because we have no power or authority and we will be destroyed it's paid in full by the lamb of god jesus himself I told you a few of you guys have purchased some homes in the last 21 days you imagine getting that first mortgage check the first mortgage check always comes in that paper form and you open it up and you're like oh wow there it is house is beautiful got to pay that could, could you imagine opening up that paper and it said paid in full amen <laughs> All right, let me, let, me kinda, let me give you another analogy. Anybody got student loans? Yeah, y'all really feeling that one. Y'all open up that. You don't have to make that payment. It says, paid, it says paid in full. Paid in full. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid our sins in full. Not partial. Not when he feels like it. Not when you feel like you're drawing closer to him. Not when you read your Bible every day. Not when you don't sin for like a second. He says, I paid it in full on the cross when I hung there. I know what your past is. Don't care. I died for you. I, I know what your future is. I don't care. I died for you. Paid it in full. And as a society and as a culture, I think we have to get back to the basics. Because we can talk about a lot of stuff in church. But the main thing is the main thing is the main thing. And that main thing is always Jesus dying on the cross and being buried and raising from the dead three days later. Church, can I remind you, it doesn't stop there. He's coming back. That's the main thing. So to end this service, I thought we would get back to, to one more basic. We, we believe in the power of prayer. We, we believe... That when the word of God says to pray, 
and God bends his ear from heaven to earth, we believe that he still listens. We believe that he still answers prayers. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's three things that I want to pray for. And the first two is healing and protection. Healing and protection. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, by his stripes, we're healed. So what do you need healing for? Maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe it's physical healing. Or maybe it's even mental healing. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe like me, you really don't want to get that doctor's report back because you don't know what it's, you don't know what it's going to say. But all across this room, we're praying for healing. And I'm just going to ask you on the count of three to slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Hands going up all over the place. God, you see the hands. God, you, you see, you can slip those hands back down. You, you see the hands that were raised. Here's the crazy thing about God. He even sees the people that wanted to raise their hand but didn't. He, he knows what's going on inside of you. He knows your thought process. God, we pray right now for healing. God, we pray for emotional healing. God, we pray for physical healing. God, we pray for mental healing. And the second one was this. I wanted to pray for protection. Exodus 11, chapter 13 says, I will pass you and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Go back to storms and battles. God, we choose to not bow to the kingdom of the world. Lord, we'll make a stand. We'll make a stand for you when it seems like everybody, there has to be somebody. And God, we choose to be somebody. God, we choose to be someone who stands just like Moses did when he stood before Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood and said, We will not bow to you, Nebuchadnezzar, because we serve a greater God. And then there's one more thing that I want to pray for. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed. This isn't some sort of scare tactic, but again, back, back to the basics. Back to what really matters. If you and I were sitting across a table, and maybe we both had a cup of coffee, or maybe some of y'all had some sweet tea, but we were just having a real and a raw conversation. And I asked you this question. If I said something along the lines of, if you died today, right now, in this moment, 
Do you know where you would spend eternity? Do you know if you would spend eternity in heaven? Again, not a scare tactic, just back to what really matters. Because all this time that we've talked about from the beginning when God created humanity, when humanity sinned and was separated from God, when he sent the lamb, Jesus, to be crucified on a cross, buried and and rose on the third day, that, that you and I would be brought back into a relationship with him. The whole time we've been talking about that, and I hear I hear these things after service a lot. I hear Pastor or, or Zach, man, I, I needed that. Man, it was good for me to come to church. I, I feel like something was speaking to me. I feel like there was a weight lifted off of my chest. I hear that all the time, and, and maybe, maybe it's just Jesus getting your attention. Maybe that's just Jesus knocking at the door. Romans chapter 10, verse 11 through 13 says this, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, every single person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean, Zach? Simply means to pray. And prayer is simply talking to Jesus. So you don't have to worry about anybody looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. But what if that's you? I really believe there's two groups of people in this room and maybe even an overflow. I, I really believe there's a group of individuals who are saying, you know what? I mean, I, I used to have a relationship with Jesus, but, but I've kind of I've veered, I've veered to the left or to the right. I, I, I've kind of gotten off track. And, and man, in this moment, I, need to, I really do need to rededicate my life. But, but maybe there's another group of people Say, Pastor, say, Zach, I want that relationship. I need that relationship. And, and, and yeah, I don't fully understand it. And yeah, some things might seem a little obscure, but something, something is happening on the inside of me right now. If you fall in either of those categories, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Nobody's going to be looking around. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But we're going to say a prayer together that you might step into a relationship with Jesus all across this room on the count of three to rededicate your life or to step into a relationship with Jesus for the first time. Let's lift our hands. Ready? One, two, three. All across this room. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. You can slip those hands back down. And, and if we could say, if we could say this prayer together, could we say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Teach me to walk in true freedom. 
as I commit the rest of my days to you. I want to live wide awake to your love, knowing that you cover all of my sins, all of my failures, all of my insecurities, and fully alive to my purpose day after day. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Would you stand as we step back into worship this morning?